Chapter twenty seven of the Maid of Scar. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Maid of Scar by R. D. Blackmore. Chapter twenty seven A Fine Spectacle. We brought the Rose of Devon to her moorings on the south side of the river, about two miles short of Barnstaple, where a little bend and creek is, and a place for barges, and Deadman's Pill was the name of it. What could a dead man want with a pill was the very first thing I asked them, but they said that was no concern of theirs. There were pills up and down the river for miles, as well as a town called Pill Town. The cleverest man that I came across said that it must be by reason of piles driven in where the corners were to prevent the washing, and he showed me some piles, or their stumps to prove it, and defied all further argument. For the time I was beaten, until of a sudden, and too late to let him know, I saw like a stupid that it must be no other than our own word Pwill which differs much from an English pool, because it may be either dry or wet, so long as it lies in a hollow. And with that I fell a-thinking of poor Bardie and Pwill Tavon, to be quit of remorse and to see the world, I accepted old Ikey's invitation to Barnstaple Fair for the very next day we could not begin to discharge our limestone as even that obstinate fuzzy confessed upon a sacred day like that fuzzy himself had a mind for going as we half suspected although he held his tongue about it and my under-mate told me to let him alone and see what would come of it the town is a pleasant and pretty one and has always been famous for thinking itself more noble than any other also the fair was a fine thing to see full of people and full of noise and most outrageous dialect everybody in fine broad humour and no fighting worth even looking at this disappointed me for in wales we consider the off-day market a poor one unless at least some of the women pull caps i tried however not to miss it having seen in foreign countries people meeting peaceably of this i could have had no intention to complain to poor ikey hutchings however he took it as if i had and offered to find me a man from bratton or himself to have a square with me and stake half a crown upon it he must have found early cause for repentance if i had taken him at his word but every one would have cried shame upon me against such a poor little fellow and so we pushed on and the people pushed us after a little more of this and ikey bragging all the time though i saw nothing very wonderful we turned the corner of a narrow street and opened into a broader one here there seemed to be no bullocks such as had made us keep springs on our cables but a very amazing lot of horses trotting about and parading and rushing most of them with their tails uphoisted as if by discharging tackle among them stood men making much of their virtues and sinking their faults if they had any and cracking a whip every now and then with a style of applause toward them 
Now I have a natural love of the horse, though I never served long on board of one, and I regularly feel at sight of them a desire to mount the rigging. Many a time I have reasoned to my own conviction and my neighbours that a man who can stand on the mizzen-top gallant yard in a heavy gale of wind must find it a ridiculously easy thing to hold on by a horse with the tackle to help him, and very likely a dead calm all round. Nevertheless, somehow or other, the result seems always otherwise. I had just hailed a man with a colt to show off, and Commodore's pendants all over his tail, and was keeping clear of his counter to catch the rise of the wave for boarding him, when a hush came over all hands, as if the street had been raked with chain-shot, and on both sides of the street all people fell back and backed their horses, so that all the roadway stood as clear as if the fair had turned into a Sunday morning. Up the centre, and heeding the people no more than they would two rows of trees, came two grave gentlemen, daintily walking arm in arm, and dressed in black. They had broad flapped hats, long coats of broad cloth, black silk tunics, and buckled breeches, and black polished boots reaching up to the buckles. Meanwhile all the people stood huddled together upon the pitch stones on either side, touching their hats, and scarce whispering, and even the showing off of the horses went into the side streets. After all the bowing and legging that I had beheld in the Royal Navy, the double file, the noble salutes, the manning of the sides and yards, the drums, the oars, all upon the catch, and all the other glorious things that fit us to thrash the Frenchmen so, there was nothing else left for me to suppose but that here were two mighty admirals, gone into mourning very likely for the loss of the Royal George, or come on the sly perhaps to enjoy the rollicking of the fair and sinking the uniform for variety how could i tell and least of all would i think of interfering with the pleasure of my betters therefore i stopped in my throat the cheer which naturally seemed to rise the moment i took my hat off for fear of letting the common people know that i understood their honours but after looking again so long as one might without being inquisitive i saw that neither of these great men could walk the deck in a rolling sea i have been so bold in the thick of the horses that ikey had found it too much for him always to keep close to me but now as the nearest horse must have drifted the length of two jolly boats away this little sailor came up and spoke can he show the likes of they two in taffy lando taffy now plenty i should hope said i though proud in the end to say not one but what a fuss you make who are they as if thee didn't know cried ikey staring with indignation at me how should i know when i never clapped eyes on either of them till this moment thou hast crossed the water for something then davy them be the two passons two passons i could not say it exactly as he sounded it i never heard of two passons a wants to drive me mad a do said ikey in self-commune did he never hear tell a passin chown and passin jack man alive now
it was hopeless to try any more with him for i could not ding into his stupid head the possibility of such ignorance he could only believe that i feigned it for the purpose of driving him out of his senses or making little of his native land so i felt that the best thing i could do was to look at those two great gentlemen accurately and impartially and thus form my own opinion hence there was prospect of further pleasure in coming to know more about them verily they were goodly men so far as the outer frame goes the one for size and strength and stature and the other for face form and quickness i felt as surely as men do feel who have dealed much among other men that i was gazing upon two faces not of the common order and they walked as if they knew themselves to be ever so far from the average not so much with pride or conceit or any sort of arrogance but with a manner of going distinct from the going of fellow-creatures whether this may have been so because they were both going straight to the devil is a question that never crossed my mind until i knew more about them for our parsons in wales take them all in all can hardly be called gentlemen except of course our own who was colonel lower's brother also the one at merthyr mar and st bride's and one or two other places where they were customers of mine but most of the rest were small farmers sons or shopkeepers boys and so on these may do very well for a parish or even a congregation that never sees a gentleman except when they are summoned and not always then however this sort will not do for a man who has served ay and been in battle under two baronets and an earl therefore i looked with some misgiving at these two great parsons but it did not take me long to perceive that each of them was of good birth at least whatever his manners afterwards men who must feel themselves out of their rank when buttoned into a pulpit for reasoning with devonshire plough-tail bobs if indeed they ever did so and as for their flocks they kept dogs enough at any rate to look after them for they both kept hounds and both served their churches in true hunting fashion that is to say with a steeple-chase taking true country at full gallop over hedges and ditches and stabling the horse in the vestry all this i did not know as yet or i must have thought even more than i did concerning those two gentlemen the taller of the two was as fair and ruddy and as free of countenance as a june rose in the sunshine a man of commanding build and figure but with no other command about him and least of all that of his own self the other it was that took my gaze and held it having caught mine eyes until i forgot myself and dropped them under some superior strength for the time i knew not how i felt or what it was that vanquished me only that my spirit owned this man's to be its master whether from excess of goodness or from depth of desperate evil at the time i knew not 
it was the most wondrous unfathomable face that ever fellow-man fixed gaze upon lost to mankindliness lost to mercy lost to all memory of god as handsome a face as need be seen with a very strong forehead and coal-black eyes a straight white nose and a sharp-cut mouth and the chin like a marble sculpture disdain was the first thing it gave one to think of and after that cold relentless humour and after that anything dark and bad meanwhile this was a very handsome man as women reckon beauty and his age not over forty perhaps also of good average stature active and elegant form and so on neither years nor cubits makes much odds to a man of that sort and the ladies pronounce him perfect when these two were gone by i was able to gaze again at the taller one truly a goodly man he was though spared from being a good one he seemed to stand over me like sir philip although i was measured for six feet and one inch before i got into rheumatic ways and as for size and compass my parents never could give me food to fetch out my girth as this parson's was he looked a good yard and a half round the chest and his arms were like oak saplings however he proved to be a man void of some pride and some evil desires unless anybody bore hard on him and as for reading the collects or lessons or even the burial service i was told that no man in the british realm was fit to say amen to him this had something to do with the size of his chest and perhaps might have helped to increase it his sermons also were done in a style that women would come many miles to enjoy beginning very soft and sweet so as to melt the milder ones and then of a sudden roaring greatly with all the contents of enormous lungs so as to ring all round the sides of the strongest weaker vessels and as for the men what could they think when the preacher could drub any six of them this was parson jack if you please his surname being rambone as i need not say unless i write for unborn generations his business in bout street that day was to see if any man could challenge him he had held the belt seven years they said for wrestling as well as for bruising the condition whereof was to walk the street both at barnstable fair and at bodmin revels and watch whether any man laid foot across him this he did purely as a layman might but the boxing and bruising were part of his office so that he hung up his cassock always for a challenge to make rent in it there had been some talk of a cornishman interfering about the wrestling and bad people hoped that he might so attempt and never know the way home again but as for the fighting the cassock might hang till the beard of parson jack was grey before any one made a hole in it also the cornish wrestler found after looking at parson jack that the wisest plan before him was to challenge the other cornishmen and leave the belt in devonshire all this i found out at a little gathering which was held round the corner in bear street to reflect upon the business done at the fair and compare opinions and although i had never beheld till then any of our good company neither expected to see them again there were no two opinions about my being the most agreeable man in the room 
i showed them how to make punch to begin with as had been done by his royal highness with me to declare proportions and as many of the farmers had turned some money they bade me think twice about no ingredient that would figure on the bill even half a crown by right of superior knowledge and also as principal guest of the evening i became voted the chairman upon the clear understanding that i would do them the honour of paying nothing and therein i found not a man that would think of evading his duty towards the chair i entreated them all to be frank and regard me as if i were born in barnstaple which they might look upon as being done otherwise as the mere turn of a shaving for my father had been there twice and my mother more than once thought of trying it everybody saw the force of this and after a very fine supper we grew as genial as could be and leading them all with a delicate knowledge of the ins and outs of these natives many of which i had learned at the fair and especially by encouraging their bent for contradiction i heard a good deal of the leading people in the town or out of it i listened of course to a very great deal which might be of use to me or might not but my object was when i could gather in their many elbowed stories to be thoroughly up to the mark on three points first about fuzzy and most important who was he what was he where did he live had he got a wife and if so why and if not more especially why again also how much money had he and what in the world did he do with it and could he have under the rose any reason for keeping our women so distant particularly i had orders to know whether he was considered handsome by the devonshire women for our women could not make up their minds and feared to give way to the high opinion engendered by his contempt of them only they liked his general hairiness if it could be warranted not to come off upon this point i learned nothing at all no man even knew bethel jose or at any rate none would own to it perhaps because ikey was there to hearken so i left that until i should get with the women my next matter was about braunton burrows and the gentlemen of high rank who wandered up and down without telling us why and i might hereupon have won some knowledge and was beginning to do so when a square stout man came in and said hush and i would gladly have thrown a jug at him nevertheless i did learn something which i mean to tell next to directly but as concerned the third question before me and to myself the most itching of any satisfaction to at least half measure was by proper skill and fortune brought within my reach almost and this i must set down at leisure soberly thinking over it End of chapter 27